Here we go, episode 58 of the Hibs Ramble. I'm back this week, joined by the two C's, Canton and Corrigan. How are we doing, boys? Fantastic, mate. Yourself? I am all right, I'm all right. Two E's are looking good, I must say. It's good to have you both back. You can certainly see your, um, your hairline's not as far back as what you made out it was last night. I sent the I sent the thumbnail to Liam and he actually said it was nowhere near as bad as I was making it out. So right. I'll take it. We take the compliment. Yeah, for context, um, our well, my we're sort of the corner of the Hibs Ramble. Liam obviously is in uh, Turkey on his honeymoon with Megan. Um, we hope Megan has a terrific honeymoon. We hope Liam has an absolutely miserable shite honeymoon because it's absolutely nothing less than he deserves. But anyway, good win for the Cabbage on Saturday, 2-0 at home to probably the ultimate bogey team. Um, I suppose that we'll start start for the start. Starting 11, Mark came out. Big The big sort of change, I suppose, was the fact that Jair was in from the start um, for, for Elian. Not a massive surprise that Ewan didn't start, given he's, he took a dull one to the shoulder on uh, Saturday last week against Kilmarnock. But what did you... When you seen the starting team, what did you make of it? I thought it was decent. I think obviously the one that would have raised a few eyebrows is uh, Jar Tavares coming on. I think every Hibs fan would would have thought that he'd never kick a ball again, especially under Lee Johnson. But it's actually not that much of a surprise if you see how much Monty seems to like him. He was obviously on the bench against Kilmarnock and that was a game raised a few eyebrows. And then Monty came out and said about how well he'd been training. He's a talented young player. And he seems to be performing really well in training. So it's not as big a surprise as it would have been a few weeks ago to see him starting. But other than that, I think, um, you know, I was quite happy with the lineup. Obviously, uh, Alfie coming in as well is, is massive. I love it when, when he's playing, when he's starting. Um, Rocky as well seems to be a player that Monty likes. Paul Hamlin's, that's sort of the second game in a row that he, or third game in a row maybe that he's been on the bench um, and Rocky's been in. So. Yeah, it seems um, it seems to be a player that he likes. Uh, Sean, what do you, just talking about Tavares for a second, right? Do you think this sort of goes along with sort of the second, third, fourth hand rumours we've heard about the previous management team and and how they actually operated? I mean, how in the space of so what? So, so Mont, Montgomery probably took training for the first time what Monday last week? Um, sorry, Monday. Two weeks ago today, we'd have taken training for the first time. And then within five days, a boy that, for what it seemed like, wasn't even getting on the bench for the dev squad, is getting on the bench for the first team and also making an appearance. Like, I, I don't know what that speaks to in terms of Tavares himself, but does that maybe go to show that we definitely made the change at the right time? Because if that's how he's treating, I just think of treating a young laddie like that, not an English speaker coming to an English speaking country, played a couple of games and it was just totally what seemed like bombed out the first team squad. Yeah, I mean, his, that would have been his only start since his other start in uh, August last last year yeah, at the beginning. August, so yeah. uh, I think it does speak volumes about the potential lack of man management or mismanagement from the previous um, coaching regime. And I think whether you want to believe what's coming out now or not, there's got to be some level of accuracy to it, considering that there's three or four players who don't seem like they would be in the same similar circle 
within the same squad, i.e. experienced Scottish players, new foreign players to the squad, then you've got young individual players, and then you've got like young foreign players as well. Yep. And they're all kind of coming out and talking about, you know, the lack of tactical coaching that there was before, the lack of man management, the lack of just personal touch. And we're now seeing through these potential rumours um, that Monty is getting in contact with all these young players that are out on loan that didn't hear a job when Lee Johnson was here. So that's a little personal touch, good man management skills there. You're then getting Tavares coming out, which, again, as Mark said, looked like he was out in the cold and never to put on a hip shot ever again. Yeah. He's then starting games, um, and you've got players that were playing really, really well for us last season, you know, highlighting the strengths of how training is now as well in, post, in pre-match interviews. So, yeah, it's damaging for the um, previous regime, but that's a good problem now. And I have to say, I, I do think it's a wee bit of a stroke of genius from, from Monty here, because even if you look at the, the Rocky Paul Hanlon situation, obviously Paul Hanlon's a player that, that's coming towards the end of his career. Rocky's a young centre-half. Tavares, you know, didn't get a sniff, was basically told he was he was leaving the club and whatnot. When a new manager comes in and says, right, I think you're a talented young player, I'm going to get you right in there, I think you've been training well, I'm going to put you right in the team. Rocky, who hasn't really been able to break through over Paul Hanlon, he's, you know, the new manager's coming in and said, right, Rocky, I'm going to get you in straight away. The confidence that that must bring these players. And now what I think is, you know, Rocky and, and Tavares, I think, are talented players. I think they're just raw. Monty coming in and saying, right, I'm going to get you into the first team. The confidence that that gives him, they're now going to want to run through a brick wall for him. They're going to want to train harder. They'll be in the gym more. They'll be working harder in training, working their absolute balls off on the pitch. To re- And what that does is it gives Monty every single inch of talent that these players have got so that within a year or two, you might see Rocky being the absolute, you know, the starting centre half. You might see Tavares being one of our key players. So I do think it is a real stroke of genius for him to come in, do that straight away to almost say, look, I don't care what's happened before, but I think you guys have got what it takes. Now you'll see these guys, I think, elevate. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's it's startling the change, I think, around the whole club in general. I mean, we can talk obviously more in, in detail about the game, but... There was something that sort of, you know, was spoken about in terms of um, David Gray under Lee Johnson. And it was people asking, what does Gray actually do? Um, You know, it came out that he was a set-piece coach, but he never really had any sort of involvement in terms of, you know, when it comes to like the match day, for example. He was maybe taking the warm-up and that was it. On Saturday, he was really involved in terms of on the bench. I think you've seen it against Kilmarnock as well. Um, and Montgomery's spoken highly about actually not only developing players, but developing Gray as well. And you've seen that before the game. They've done a huddle in the middle of the park um, before the players went off after their warm-up, which again just kind of goes to show that they're trying to bring a bit of unity in terms of the team. You know, it mustn't be, obviously it can't be easy for somebody like Jerry to just come back in. Um, and likewise, Hanlon to, especially after what you say, Mark, you know, Rocky had a bit of a howler against Kelly for both Kelly goals and Montgomery stuck with, uh, stuck with him. So I think there just seems to be a change overall in the sort of 
just general attitudes at the club. It doesn't seem to be much of a the manager's the manager and that's it. You know, Montgomery's very keen on getting involved in all aspects of the club. I know that he was so he would have taken training for the first time on the Monday. Either that Monday afternoon, Monday night, sorry, or the Tuesday, he was through at Murray Park watching the under eighteens. Something that Lee Johnson never done and something that Lee McAllister eh, Lee McAllister, sorry, who's that? Uh, Jamie McAllister only done because his laddie was playing for them. Whereas I've seen it on Twitter, you know, the sort of uh, the parents of the youngsters that are in and around maybe 14s and upwards, you know, saying about how Montgomery's went round. He's not just a case of, oh, hi, how are you? He's asking everybody's name, what position do they play? And obviously we're going to talk about Rory Whitaker because I think that plays a massive part in that as well. Um, the first half wasn't great. You know, there, was a, there wasn't a lot of sort of stuff happening in terms of you know, balls flying down the wing, getting in the box and whatever. And I just wanted to sort of pick up on one thing I noticed, Mark, that there did seem to be a bit of restlessness for the crowd at times when there was maybe a forward ball on in the midfield or, you know, if there was a ball down the wing from maybe Obita that he turned back inside and gave it to Rocky or whatever. Do you think that we just need to learn a bit of patience and just, because we've changed the whole new system as well. We're going with a flat 4-4-2 and it's not as easy to create a lot of chances regularly using that sort of system because you do leave yourself so open if you commit too many balls for too many bodies forward. Sorry, do you think we just need to maybe learn to be a bit patient with it and see the fruits of the labour come in time? Definitely, and I think it. I mean, it's happened as long as I've been going to Easter Road. If there's maybe you know a ball that can be played in the middle of the park or further forward and they opt to go back to the goalie and play the safe option there is moans and groans and stuff like that sometimes it's just what you have to do to, to keep it keep possession and keep it safe i do also that there was at Kilmarnock away so you could see what he was trying to do even though it was very very early days so the center half would take the goal kick roll it back to david marshall david marshall would get the ball and play it out wide so the the um Fullbacks would push on and the centre halves would split. You could tell, you could see what they were trying to do, but obviously because it was really new and it, it would only just happen, there was a couple of occasions where David Marshall maybe took a couple of extra touches or the ball maybe went out and things like that. And that's another one of these things where it is going to work. You can see what he's trying to do, but we just have to have a wee bit of patience to allow them time to build in these sort of tactics. But the good thing is, which I think is really important, and most Hibs fans that I've seen they can see what Montgomery is trying to do. And we've spoke before, Lee Johnson was in a job for, what, over a year, way over a year. We still, by the end of his tenure, didn't really know what he was trying to do. Is he trying to play counter-attack? Is he trying to play it wide? Is he trying? We still didn't see his best shape, his best team, and what he was trying to do. And now, even though it's only a couple of weeks in, we're starting to see shades of his team and, and what he's trying to do. So I completely agree. I think there is still going to be occasions, listen, we're a, a big club with a lot of fans, so there is always going to be a portion of fans that are moaning and groaning and, and just want it pinged forward constantly. But I think as long as the majority of us remain patient, and I think, you know, Nick Montgomery seems to have this aura about him where fans have taken him really quickly. So yeah. I think that'll really help um, just build that that sort of patience. Is But as, again, going back to Lee Johnson, I think right from the get-go, there was a huge portion of fans that didn't take them and didn't particularly like them. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll obviously go in our favour as well. Uh, no, it's interesting what you say about the goal kicks because I picked it up for Kilmarnock last week as well. Is that Rocky 
or Will Fish took every single one. Yeah. Whereas I don't think that happened at all on Saturday. I think it just went back to Marshall. So it shows that Montgomery's obviously noticed whatever he was trying to do last week didn't work. So he's just went back to, right, you know what, we'll just, there's no point. If it's on, do it. But if not, you know, he seems to like the team to sort of settle back in. He doesn't just want to be going gung-ho all the time. Because, um, Sean, one thing I, I kind of picked up on is that, and this will probably take a while to knock out of players like Jago and Newell, is that because they're used to playing in a three, they're almost used to when the centre-half split, dropping really deep to get the ball. So there was occasions where both Newell and Jago were within like five, ten yards of the centre-halves, and then there's just a, such a big, massive gap from the central midfielders to the forward players and even the wide players as well. Do you, do you think that that's something that there is just going to, again, take a bit of time to maybe coach out, let Jago get it, let Joe Newell sit 10, 15 yards higher up the park, and then we can move the ball that way? Because we'll get onto it, but that's where the second goal comes from. The second goal comes for Joe Newell finding himself in an advanced area of the park, driving with the ball 10, 15 yards and giving it to Lafondra. Yeah, I think um, very similar to the point that you make about the fans maybe being a little bit more patient for how we're playing or the style of play or you know the tempo and everything like that that Nick Montgomery is trying to bring. I think we need a little bit of patience. The players and the players need to have a little bit of patience. They clearly believe in what Nick's trying to do and what he's trying to apply to the squad. Now they clearly have a lot of belief in it as well. Um, both Will spoke about it, Lewis has spoke about it in the, the pre and post match interviews. Yeah. And I think when you're so used to having that three in midfield, and I know that Newell and, and Jago have a lot of attributes that complement each other and that's why they can play and it's no surprise to see them playing as a two in there because of the balance that the two of them can bring. I think it's just them then trying to get used to right what is available for me to do and what is not available for me to do. Yeah. And then you kind of need to rely on your full-backs or your centre-halves or even your wide attackers. Or even in the last couple of games, we've seen LaFondra drop, we've seen Dodge drop, we've seen Venti drop. It's not really We've not really had someone sitting on the edge. They've all took turns to drop. And I think they all, as a collective, are still trying to understand not necessarily what space is, is whose, because Nick's already alluded to the fact he doesn't want to kind of have the reins on players and he doesn't want to limit them to certain aspects of the pitch. He kind of wants it to be free. He's no, he's not a philosophy type manager. He's not like a, you need to be structured and you can only stay in this part of the pitch. He is yeah. happy for people to roam. But I think within the system that we're trying to play and the way that we're trying to play, I think the players need a little bit of patience and understanding as well as trying to believe in each other that they're all like that their teammates like the man next to them or the man behind them or the man in front of them is taking on the information yeah. the same as they are and I think once over time it kind of comes in I mean we can see stuff paying off now so if it's paying off this early imagine potentially just how good it could be once all 11 on the pitch are, are connecting. Yeah no agreeing it was interesting what you say about the sort of freedom of movement because there was various sort of points in that first half where uh, Tavares and Boyle sort of switched wings and I mean you see it from the Tavares's chance that went just over the bar he picks the ball up almost apparently in direct like straight line to the penalty spot maybe sort of 20-23 yards out um, 
But no, as I think what you're saying about Jago and Newell is interesting. Obviously, uh, down the slope, done their podcast with Joe Newell, and he spoke heavily about the sort of impact on and off the park that Jago has and how actually integral he is to the team. I mean, we've kind of been on the Jago bandwagon since he came in January. Um, so it's good to know that what we say, the players are saying as well, just goes to show that the high football and IQ that exists here at the Hibs Ramble. Um, one player as well that's sort just, of... Just for, just for context on that, we obviously don't have video this week because obviously Liam's fucked off. But both me and Mark, smiling at you, are trying not to piss yourself at that comment, which is factually correct, but it's just... I'm just trying to give context for those that are on YouTube that physically can't actually see us this week. So, yeah. But anyway, anybody who listens to us knows that we've been we've been banging the jiggle drum for months now, and uh, Super Joe backing us up really just sort of cements the fact that there's, like I said, between the contributors, between the four of us, between the listeners, it's just a high football and IQ podcast that we have on our hands here. Um, one sort of area that has noticeably improved big time is Lewis Miller. So obviously he found himself unlucky not to get his first goal for the club last week, but finds himself coming in at the back post to get his first goal for the club. Mark, how how important do you think that Montgomery will be... Well, sorry, I'll rephrase that. How important do you think it is for Miller to now have a manager that knows him and is able to sort of utilise him to his strengths because it's fair to say that he's, he's, you know, his first season last season wasn't he great whether that was between injuries, form the manager maybe not utilising him correctly how do you, how important do you think it'll be for Miller given that we're only two games in the sort of vast improvement that he's made in his game already to have obviously the guy who brought him through as a youngster now managing the club Yeah definitely and I, I think Lewis Miller's one that we've always, I think the majority of Hibs fans have always thought since he came to the club and since we've seen sort of glimpses of him that we knew there was a player in there. The problem is he couldn't really string together performances, um, you, you know, in a row. We've seen him at Celtic Park last year. He played brilliantly. Then he went missing for a couple of months, whether that was tactical or whether he had picked up a knock or whatever it was. Then he comes back in against Celtic at home. Again, he plays brilliantly. So we kind of knew that there's a player in there. Um, but I think Montgomery coming in will, will just make him uh, 10 times better. He's already spoke so highly of him about how brilliant a man-manager is, how um, he's almost like a father figure. Um, he got him his big move at Europe and all that kind of stuff. And he's also talked about how Montgomery likes his full-backs to push on a little bit. And we just spoke about that, about for the goal kicks. The yep. full-backs would kick on and the centre-halves would split. And it looks already like you know the full-backs are going to be really, really involved in those attacking phases. And, I mean, you can see that because against Kilmarnock, he, he really should have. It was basically his goal, and then he's bagged himself a goal, you know, after only a couple of weeks. And that is just a sign of Montgomery wanting his, his full-backs to push on. So, I think there's two sides to it. The tactical side, I think, will suit him down to the ground, getting into that, those more attacking positions. But also, he clearly likes him as a manager. He clearly likes him as a person, which is just going to make him more comfortable. It's going to almost make him listen even more to, to all these training sessions and whatnot. So I think it's only going to be a good thing for him. And um, I think that talent, again, similar to what we're saying about Tavares and Rocky, I think that talent will just be elevated even more and, and sort of it'll go even quicker, his, uh, his development plan. 
Yeah, Sean, do you know thing, just looking at him, he's got all the, like, when you talk about, I hate this phrase, right, but when you talk about, like, modern football and modern fullbacks, do you not think when you look at him, he just fits the prototype of what a, what a modern football, what a, sorry, what a modern fullback looks like, his height, his pace, his athleticism, like, I, I, I don't think um, I'll get too many detractors by saying this, I still think he needs to work a lot on his technique when he's on the ball, and you know, finding those sort of attacking, you know, finding the, the right ball to play when we're in those attacking areas. But he's defensively, you know, his recovery pace is brilliant. He's really good at timing tackles. Um, you know, I don't think he gives away a foul that often. Um, does it not? For me, I'm quite excited to see where this could go under Montgomery now, um, given obviously he's now with Canaio going out on loan to Airdrie last week. And um, obviously Chris Cadden's still been out injured for another sort of maybe what four or five months at least. He's got a proper run at this to make it his his spot for for a good wee while. Yeah, um, I am intrigued to see kind of where it goes. I was very very cautious about what he could have potentially brought to the club when he was first joined, just based on stuff that I'd heard mm-hmm. prior to him joining and just after he joined, and then obviously had a bit of a rocky start. It is good to see that whatever changes he's made prior to Montgomery coming in in regards to his physical build and his ability to adapt to the Scottish game is, is clearly came on leaps and bounds since he first joined. And he's he's packed on some size even since the beginning of last season as well. And I think having someone that knows how he ticks and how to get the best out of him will only work in his favour as well. And listen, it'll work in Montgomery's favour as well because he'll know exactly what he's getting, what he's good at, what he's not good at and what Lewis will be able to bring to the to the starting eleven. Um, you're right; he's not anywhere near the finished article. But from a modern player's perspective, he certainly fits the bill. Um, listen, he, his reading of the game could certainly be a lot better, I think, um, or he wouldn't need to make those recovery runs or those tackles. But yeah, his recovery runs and his tackles are very, very good because he has that pace about him. Um, technically, like you said, could be a little bit better. But there's lots of very strong key attributes in there for such a young player Um, and listen lots of Aussies are now in Europe applying their trade and doing very very well and then getting into the national team so um, he just needs to keep on the trajectory that he's on and get a little bit of consistency about him and hopefully because he's got this run in the team now he doesn't waste the opportunity yeah no I agree I think the one thing that the one area of the team that obviously we were worried about in the summer was really the goals going to come from with um, Kevin Nisbet going to going to Millwall. So I think we need to give credit to Brian McDermott for ultimately the two key signings that have been made in that forward area: Dylan Venti um, and Adam Lafondre. There was a lot of talk in the summer about why the fucker had signing a 36-year-old from Australia. There's a Hearts fans tweet that gets retweeted after every game that says I would rather be signed no one than a 36 year old has been um, I don't know about you Mark I know you said at the start about the starting 11 that you know you were delighted when you seen that his name was on the team sheet he's very quickly becoming one of my favourite players in the team um, watching him on Saturday you can just see that he's he's played the majority of his career at a high level um, he's and I think that's highlighted by this, especially his involvement in the second goal but for a 36-year-old, he's, you would expect him to maybe be just a sort of penalty box, hanging about, waiting. 
But even his, his work rate is, is superb. Like Again, like Venti as well, throughout the course of Saturday, the, the pair of them just never stopped. And I think we're, again, like I say, high, like props to Brian McDermott for bringing the pair of them in because the worry with Nisbet going is where the fuck are the goals going to come from? And now we've got Venti, who's got four goals already. I think Lafondre's on four league goals. Doidge is on with, with maybe a, an assist or well he'll now be on maybe what two three assists so seven goal goal involvements Doidge himself has came back firing three goals and four assists I think he's on as well so we've got we're now at what 18 goals combined whether it be assists or goals from our three strikers and we're can fucking clocks haven't even went back yet mm. Uh, it's quickly turned from like one of our like you mentioned the one of our the positions that we're most worried about. Where's the goals going to come from after losing Nisbet? Obviously, we had strikers that, that at the time weren't performing like Doidge, Melkerson, and the rest. And it's now become a position that we're probably the healthiest. And what I love about the three main strikers that we've got, Lafondra, Venti, and Doidge, is like you touched on, they all work so hard. No matter what, if it's one up front, two, what whatever combination it is. They all work so, so hard. They run about, they drop deep, they do everything. And yeah, Lafondra, I'm, I'm the same. I mean, we all knew when he came in, you know, there was a lot of people saying, oh, that's your replacement for Kevin Nisbet. We all knew that that wasn't going to be the replacement for Kevin Nisbet. We knew that as a 36-year-old, he's not going to play every single game. We knew that there's potential that he was maybe going to come off the bench and, and things like that and have an impact on the younger players. But my God, what an impact he's had in such a short space of time. I think the the key thing for me is how easy he makes everything look. And that only comes when you play at a high level for the majority of your career. You know, everything that he does just seems effortless. And that's just his football IQ, the way he can see the pitch. I mean, that assist he got for the second goal, just a little dink back heel right into Venti, which puts him through one-on-one with the keeper. And he'd done it without even skipping a beat. You know, and he, he just seems, even though he works really hard and stuff like that, he does when he's on the ball, in and about the box, even you know when he's scoring goals and whatnot, he just makes it look easy, um, and that that just shows the quality that he's got. But I'm the same. I'm, you know, he's. Uh, I was always excited by the signing, but I mean, he's becoming even more important. I think we we anticipated. Yeah, no, I agree, and I'd like you say, but he's he's sort of deft touch for. For Venti's goal, he puts it just right in his path, and it's the same as he's, you know, he's won for um, Venti's first goal against Luzerne, you know, when he just dinked it into the area, and it was even the the sort of the way he took the ball under control, spun and then volleyed it with his left foot, completely unaware as to maybe even if anybody was in there, but he's again I'll talk to you at game intelligence. He's just like I said, you can just he's a smart footballer. Mm-hmm. He's no. Kind of like when we used to talk about Boyle, when Boyle says oh, he was like a speedboat with no driver. You know, it's like it's like Villafondra's at the controls of a A380 and he's just cruising. And he knows that whatever comes up, he's got an answer for it. That's probably one of the worst analogies I've ever came up. <laughs> but, Sean, like we said about Dylan Venti, we were speaking before we came on. He's on four goals in total, obviously. He's got two in the league, scored against Wraith, scored, away, eh, scored at home against Luzerne. So he's got four goals from what I think is probably five shots. He's so clinical. And he's shown it like in all facets to his game. Like last week, you know, was one where he sort of cut in and took it. The Luzerne one was a header. Um, the goal on Saturday there was one of those ones where 
naturally when I'm looking at it in the position that he's in, you're thinking he's going to place it up towards the keeper's left to maybe try and get sort of a bit a bit of lift on it. But he just slots he slots at the keeper's near post, right in the side net and so effortlessly. I think we've got a serious, serious player on our hands, especially like we spoke about when when all the players are used to the system and if we can start I mean he scored four goals for five shots. If we can get creating chances for him, you know, two, three shots a game, his his numbers are only going to go up even quicker. Yeah, five shots on goal, four on target, four goals. You can't you literally can't ask for much more than that, really. Um I like the point that you make about the variation of his goals as well. They've all been a little bit different. They've had a little a little bit of a different aspect to his game regarding the header, the cutting in, um, quick reactions and stuff like that. And listen, you need to be in the right area as well. Uh, he's definitely he's positionally aware, which is great. He's not shy of coming out of the box and working his arse off as well because he's done that the last kind of three games as well. He's done it in all his games, but in particular, the Aberdeen game, the Kelly game, and then the game at the weekend. So lots of strikers will always get you know picked up on Maybe they're getting too involved in the game and they're dropping too deep and then they're then not in the box when the chances are then getting created. But since he's joined, I literally can't find a fault for him at the moment. Um, For me, his game has been flawless. I think a lot of people, the one shot that he has missed off target was in the Aberdeen game. And at that point, we just weren't really creating too many chances in that game. But... David Gray alluded to it in his post-match interview. The work that he'd done off the ball allowed Doidge and Lafondre to come on and win us the game. Yeah. So it's good to know that naturally the the coaching staff are noticing the hard work that he does, and you'd expect not just goals with the price tag that he came with, but his all-round play to be really, really good. And I like the fact that he's not just sitting up there waiting on it. He's working his bollocks off. And he's getting in the right areas at the right times as well. So long may it continue. Uh, he did. I did pick up on that. Like I mentioned about the with the midfield at times picking the ball up for the for the centre half, maybe being about 10, 15 yards, a bit too deep for what we'd like. He was also dropping into those pockets. So he's not like you say. He's not just standing, you know, picking his arse, waiting for the ball to come to him. He is somebody that is going to try and get things going. Um, if he needs to. Regarding obviously the attacking play, which is now, and I suppose you know, Yuan came on second half, done really well, should have scored. But again, that's one of the reasons why we love him. He does the fucking most frustrating thing in the world, and then he's hundred percent. As soon as he came on, there was a there was a point after we scored the second, and he was in our our corner, um, and it's like he was fucking wiggling the analog stick. And at the same at the time, I turned to Alf and I was like, "That'll be going on Instagram on Monday because he's just absolutely ripped the arse out of the boy." But attacking wise, you know, he's still yet to proper properly click. Boyle's certainly. I feel like well, I feel like for the last three or four weeks since the Lazerne away game, I don't think that we've really even spoke about Boyle or Yuan, which no. is a compliment to the the front three that you were alluding to because they've been so strong for yeah. so much of the season so far, and we're only at the end of September. So it's a, a scary thought to think that when Yuan and, and Boyle are click a little bit more, I think it's probably because they're getting asked to do it a little bit more defensively because it's a four four two. But like when they start banging in the goals, it's it's going to be worrying for folk. Well, we're second we're second top goal scorers in the league than over eleven, and if you think that so six of those goals have came in the last three games, 
Um, so we'd scored five prior to that. Quick maths. That was good maths. That. Um, and that's without, you know, I, I suppose the wide players being really that involved. I know Boyle's got a goal. Um, but it's once once Boyle and Yuan start to click, if we can start getting a tune around Tavares as well, um, you know, you've got, you know, Campbell, when he gets his opportunity making runs into the box, then especially the front three, um, all playing, you know, whether it be Dodge and Venti, Dodge and Lafondre, the good thing is about the three of those is that they've shown that they can all play together as well. It's not a case of if if Venti comes off and Dodge comes on, you're like, fuck, him and Lafondre can't work together or vice versa by any other combination. Um, one area I thought we did improve on big time was defensively, especially for a team of cloggers like St Johnston. It was pretty clear that their main aim was to try and load balls into the box and as many as they could, which is understandable given how absolutely fucking hopeless we've been this season at defending crosses into the box. Um, they, they were restricted to quite a few shots long range, um, and I'll never remember Marshall having one decent one save to make, and albeit it was a fucking great save. Um, but I know you touched it as well, Mark, about Rocky getting a, a chance, and he still gives me the fear a wee bit at times when he's on the ball and even when he's defending. But, you know, we're, we're talking about the improvements have made in the attacking areas as well. You need to give props to the defence for ultimately what is uh, probably one of, the, one of our main bogey teams with regards to St Johnston, because you give them a goal and that's it, you're fucked. Whereas we didn't really, like I said, they had a few pot shots, but we never gave them anything in terms of encouragement anyway. Yeah, well, you can see how quickly a game can turn on its head, because against Kilmarnock, we were really comfortable up until 60 minutes. You know, we go 2-0 up and then we concede really quickly from a poor goal. All of a sudden, we start to get a little bit nervous and then, you know, you can see what happens. We you know, we could have actually went on and got beat that game. Kilmarnock had a pretty good chance near the end of the game. So even when you're 2-0 up, you know that all it takes is a lapse in concentration and they're right back in the game. Especially a team like St Johnson, they're going to make it difficult, they're going to make it stuffy. So yeah, credit where it's due. I thought Rocky was poor against Kilmarnock. He does give me the fear, but against St Johnson at the weekend, there, there wasn't much fear anyway when he was on the ball or when he was defending. And Look, they kept a clean sheet. They restricted St. Johnson to one shot on target, which obviously Marshall's pulled out a world-class save. Um, So obviously that's been something that Montgomery's been working on in training is just kind of, you know, getting that defence working a little bit more. So hopefully, because, I mean, we've touched on all the goals that we've been scoring. You know, we just now need to to start really making that that defence a a bit steely, you know, and, and making sure that we're not conceding as many goals. Yeah. Um, because we want to show up to a game sometimes and win one nil or win two nil, rather than having to win games two one three two etc. Yeah. So that that's the main thing for me, and you know whether Rocky's the man or not, obviously time will tell. But you know Monty prides himself on um, you know getting the best out of young players, and we've seen that already. So we, like what we touched on, I mean he'll be rubbing his hands, you know the likes of Yuan, Josh Campbell. Uh, Lewis Miller, Rocky, Tavares, all of these players that he can get the best out of. And if he can get the best out of Rocky, you know, he's a really young centre half. You know, he's he's maybe someone that we could keep a hold of for a good few years to come. So fingers crossed this is, you know, his performance against St Johnson, there's more of that to come. Yeah, and I thought just touching on that as well, I thought Hanlon was solid when he came on as well. I know it was only for maybe sort of maybe eight, nine minutes, but 
he don't think he lost a jewel aerial or on the ground. He still so composed and calm on the ball as he ever is. Um, but talking about young players, Sean, um, I suppose probably other than the, the sort of three points and the bright spark, uh, the sort of three points and the goals and that, uh, was Rory Whitaker getting his debut. 16 years, 44 days. Um, Am I right in thinking he was born after our League Cup victory? He was he was born two years after Lewis Stevenson made his first team debut. <laughs> That's mad. The like, picture so, of um, the picture of him as a bairn with um, Paul Hanlon and Stephen Whitaker. No relation. Years ago. <laughs> no relation, I believe, is brilliant. It was only like three years ago that. Do you not see? He came out. He came out today and said he was a ball boy at the Ho- Luzerne home game. Luzerne home game, aye. Like, and three also weeks ago, and now he's making his competitive home debut for the same club. Like, I think that's phenomenal. Eh? Brilliant. What, props to him. Props to Monty. Yeah. Brilliant. What I was saying about um, obviously seeing like parents talking about um, like Monty going round to the game, like you know introducing himself, asking the players and that. His dad, uh, Rory's dad, posts a lot on Twitter. Um, you know, just retweeting stuff for the Dev Squad and that. And he he played against was it who was it was it the New Saints that the Dev Squad played and the other week guy the the what is it the Challenge Cup yeah. And he obviously started and his dad's quote tweeted it saying um, another great learning experience for him. So obviously in in his even in his dad's mind, he's getting opportunities at a further level than what he would be expected to. And not even three weeks later. The lad he's coming on for his first team debut. And what I think, I don't know if other people noticed this as well, but he was actually stripped and ready to come on before we got the second. Mm. So it's not as if, and I think he came on at round about maybe the 65th, 66th minute. So it's not even as if Monty, oh, are, we going to, are, we calling, are we calling him Monty? Yeah, let's go for it. Right, fuck it, we're on the Monty train. Um, it's not as if he was bringing him on in the 89th minute for a token appearance he was putting them on with fucking 25 minutes to go against a team that's known for being stuffy isn't it we've seen it in the past when if they if they'd have got a goal at 75 80 minutes there's a good chance they would have got an equaliser they've done it a few years ago um to us at easter road so i think it's man what a feeling that must have been eh? so he came on he came on at around about the same time as kilmarnock pulled a goal back the week prior to a, to a game that went on to finish a 2-2 draw. So the game was far from done. It was far from done. What were you doing at 16-year-old in 44 days? I'd rather not answer that on this oh, I wouldn't hate to answer that. Drinking in a park somewhere. <laughs> to be fair, I was going up the tune at 16. I was playing Cav. <laughs> I think that, that comes back to what I, was, what I was saying when we first spoke about it. Like Props to him for like shining well enough in whatever level he's been performing at for however long to be able to be in that position to shine and then props to Monty for being like, do you know what? I don't really give a toss about what, what age you are. You've yeah. performed really well against Rangers at a level above what you should already be playing. In you come, son. Coming to the training, he's obviously composed and done well and handled himself brilliantly in the first team training to even be in the match day squad, never mind the bench. And then like you said, 60-odd minutes against a team where it could have easily went wrong if they got a goal back. And I like the fact that he put him on with so much time to go because then it wasn't like a token gesture, like you said. He, yeah. he, he believes in his ability, as in Monty believes in the player's ability. And 
listen, he came on and almost scored. I know he was playing right wing and not right back, which is his natural position. But he found himself, he in, the himself. He found himself in the penalty box. No, like, he handled himself brilliantly. And, you know, on another day, he could have scored. Could you imagine, could you well, imagine how that would have went if he'd scored as well? I wish you had that, because that would have been incredible. No, it was um, he did, and it wasn't a case. He just kind of hid out in the right wing and maybe waited for the ball to come to him. He did. He looked to get himself involved, um, and he was also constantly talking to the the senior players as well, which I think is is just like it. And Mont uh, Monty said in his post match interview that he's actually had to hold them back in training. Aye, yeah. Because he's been he's been going fucking hell for leather and. That I suppose that's testament to the boy as well, testament to the coaching he's received for the for what maybe under 13s level because I think it was uh, Spartans he was at before. Spartans, aye. Yep. So, right. You know his formative years at Spartans to then you know being on the being able to uh, be in the Hibs first team squad in the space of like three four years shows the attitude of the boy. Obviously he's got a, you know he's he's got an incredibly pr- proud dad. Um, you know constantly tweeting at like, putting on social media and that about him. So I here's hoping, and it goes. I suppose it goes to show, like what you said, Mark, about you know Tavares and Rocky. Um, you know, it's a it's a masterstroke because these boys all all now run through a brick wall. Guys like uh, Rudy Milotnikov, Jacob McIntyre, Ruben McAllister, Jacob Blaney, Harry Wright, um, even the guys out on loan, or Josh O'Connor, Murray Aiken, etc. They'll now be looking at that, going, "Fuck me!" Like, th- there's the pathway, and it was a very, you know, under didn't want to sort of talk about him too much, but under Johnson, it was always, "Oh, we'll develop young players, we'll develop young players," and we didn't. Like, I know he gave Josh O'Connor minutes a, a few times, but he gave him, he brought him on at five 0 against Aberdeen. Like Montgomery's shown that he's brave enough to put a, a 16 year old in against St Johnston and go, "All right, pal, on you go." And not even necessarily in a sink or swim kind of way, but more of a, I, b- I believe in you. And I think that's the message that he's been given to everyone since he's come into the club. Like we spoke about earlier with Tavares and Rocky and stuff. That that message of coming in and saying, look, I believe in you to go in, even though you've not played in so long, you've not been able to make that position yours, you've been a little bit of a, an outcast almost. I believe in you to go and do the job. And I do, I really, really hope that this is a sign of things to come. And I think it will be because obviously he prides himself in developing players. But, you know, you look at the youth academy that we've got and Hibs are a club that's known for bringing through youth academy products. But in recent years, we've not really done it to the point where they've been consistently in the first team. The only player I can really think of is uh, Josh Campbell and Josh Doig. Doig obviously got his move away. But apart from for that, but that's three players in about what three players in what six years? Exactly. I, I suppose you can't, I, don't, I don't even think we can necessarily take credit for Doig either because he came to us at what seventeen, mm-hmm. so he's not even came through our youth system. Yeah, so I'm just hoping that he he comes in and really has a look. And I mean, he, he looks like he's doing it already by going to the sort of the youth games and whatnot, but. We look at the talent that we've got, you know, we won that league, you know, in the, the under-19s or whatever it was, That they won that league, they've got a really talented squad, you know, players like Josh O'Connor, Murray Aitken, all the players you've just listed, yeah. they're potential players that could come in and be in the first team, you know, we all watched them in their, their European adventure last season and how impressed we were with all of them, so yeah. if they can have a, the right management that's nurturing them and coaching them and, and getting, embedding them into the first team, 
you know, we could have another, you know, dare I say it, golden generation on our hands because we've got the talent for it. So I'm just hoping that this is a sign of things to come. Yeah, and we now see that if they are good enough, they will they will get an opportunity. I bet you, uh, depending on how he goes on now, but I bet you fucking Ethan Laidlaw's wishing that this had happened in the summer, eh? Mm. You could say the same about Connor Young as well. I know yep. Connor just signed for Sutherland, Clyde. Clyde, eh? Clyde, after being released for Rangers, but I like the fact that even the players that are out on loan, I don't know if I don't know if Monty's done it yet with all of them, but I know he's been getting in contact with the families and the players that are out on loan at the moment to try and get them back into the club. Yeah, I've seen Gary, Gary O'Connor's mentioned something about that on social media. Um, just even even just as like a catch up rather than NNL. So it's good that you know, Nick Montgomery is not going to be doing that just as like a gesture to say like, hey, uh, this is where I am, blah blah blah, whatever. He's pr- he's proved already that he's going to give people the chance if they perform well in training, considering the boys that we've just mentioned. So I'm quietly excited about the players that we have out on loan. You know, the like say, you know. Josh or Murray or even like the, the even like the younger goalies that we've got as well. It wouldn't surprise me if he chucks one of them in, and then you've got likes of Melkerson who scored an absolute belter at the weekend, who needs that kind of nurturing as well. And then you've got all these other young players. Anderson, I, Tate, Murray Aiken's been getting rave reviews for um, Airdrie as well. So no, it's I think. I don't really want to get too ahead of myself, but I think this could be the best appointment we've made in in years. Probably going back to Stubbs. I know Lennon was good, but in terms of Lennon's impact was was like bang and really short. Whereas with Montgomery, this feels like it could be a sort of slow burning ascendance. And I don't doubt that we'll have tough times. We'll probably go on runs where we maybe lose three, four, five games. But I do think there is something even when he talks, like whenever Johnson spoke, you kind of thought, oh, you're, you're a slaver. Like, we don't get that. I don't get that feeling with Montgomery at all. Um, and it leads us into a massive week, chance to get back to Hamden. We've obviously got St Mirren on Wednesday night, who are stuffy as hell to play against them. We've got Dundee coming up at home on Saturday, who I don't, I don't really know what to expect for them just yet. But, what a what a night Wednesday could be to, you know, for Montgomery just in the door to be taking us to a cup semi final, Sean. Yeah, I think you'll be you'll be looking forward to Wednesday because it'll be a, it'll be under the lights night game Easter Road. They'll have heard all of it before, albeit it's Saint Mirren, so it's not going to be like a twenty twenty one thousand sellout or anything like that. But that, the famous five isn't open for it. Is it not? I, well. I looked at the the tickets for um, the League Cup gaming in St Mirren, and honestly, there must you must be talking a couple of thousand that's been sold already at this yeah. point. I think just the, the the nature of it being a a game under the lights midweek, he'll still have heard stuff about it, regardless of the ticket sales or whatever. And listen, he'll know himself how close he is to not greatness, but the opportunity to to start off his, his Hibs career brilliantly by getting us not only to Hamden, listen, there's there's teams in that draw that you're going to want to avoid if we do get past St Mirren, of course, but we're in a great position. Um, you're looking at the other side of the city and they're, they're wishing that which one of their three managers to get sacked. Yeah. And you know they're losing their shit on the other side. We've acted fastly. Yes, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but we're we're looking great at the moment. 
and long may it continue. And listen, if we get a great result midweek, we'll be going to Hamden, and regardless of who we draw, what we've just spoke about so far this episode, where our front three, our wingers, getting defensively sound, Jago and Newell in midfield, like, why can't we? Do you know what I mean? I said at the end of last season that I thought we'd go and do it. I didn't think it'd be under a new manager, but I don't care. Like, get us to Hamden and we've got every chance. Well, I mean, you look at the draw, and I mean, Aberdeen, obviously Ross County, Aberdeen, I know Aberdeen just scudded them the other day, but they're no going great at the minute. Kelly Hearts, Hearts, that could put... Other than maybe Rangers at home, that's probably the worst draw that they could have got away to Kelly. Rangers at home to Livy. Rangers got fucking booed off after winning yesterday. Um, and then obviously us at St Mirren. We've probably got, I think, overall the toughest tie. Uh, St Mirren obviously flying high at the top of the league. But, Mark, I don't think there's anything to give for them. They're pretty similar to St Johnston in terms of how they play. They operate quite a low block and they look to hit on the counter-attack. But I think... We're in a position now where we can counter the counter, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think they'll obviously take a lot of confidence out of beating us at home already early in the season. But I think if you look at that, it was when obviously we were still under the previous management. We were, you know, I think we went on to have really poor league form after that. And even still, we were very, very unlucky not to get something out of the game. Yep. You know, we, we, we got back in at the second half. We were pushing for a winner. It looked like maybe we we're going to actually go and steal the game. All of a sudden, the catchers on a, albeit a brilliant counter-attack, and they, they, they get the goal to win 3-2. So even where I would say where we've been at our worst, um, they still only just beat us. So I think, obviously, the confidence that we've got, the new manager, the players that are that are going to be working in different ways, I think... I don't see why we can't go and beat them. At the end of the day, we're at Easter Road. I certainly don't fear them. I think they're a decent side. I think they'll fall away. I don't think yeah. they're brilliant. Um, I think they will fall away after Christmas once they start getting injuries. Um, but I certainly don't fear them. And like you said, we've got it all to play for now because if we do go and win, why feed anyone? You know, exactly. we can go to Hamden. Anything can happen at Hamden. We've seen that a couple of years ago. We got Rangers in the semi-final and we turned them over. So... There's no reason why we can't go all the way in the competition. And that'll be a huge carrot for uh, Monty, obviously. If he can get a, a, a trophy within a few months, I mean, that would be a pretty good start to life at Hibs. Yeah, Lee Johnson on pundit duties for the final as well, talking about how it's his team that got to the final. Um, and, then Dundee, as well. uh, and then Dundee next Saturday, Sean. Um, I suppose we don't we didn't really know how we're going to go into that until we see what happens on, on Wednesday. No, I think it will be interesting to see the, the team selection for the two games. I think maybe that's why he made the changes that he made at the weekend. Um, obviously, to get Yuan back on the pitch, albeit picked up the knock the week before. Uh, it will be really telling to see where he sees his squad going into the derby. I'm not saying he's going to use the next two games as like a tester, yep. but I think he'll certainly be using it to utilise the full squad because... You've, at the moment, we've got that manager bounced to the point where everyone's going to be working their bollocks off, trying their hardest to impress, to get in that 11, especially considering the chances that Monty's been giving players the last couple of games. So, yeah. I'll be intrigued to see the shape. The shape. I wonder if the shape will maybe change at the, um, midweek or at the weekend, um, or if it will still stay as the 4-4-2, because I wonder if he believes 
that the other centre midfielders that he's got available, whether they can string up that kind of balance together as a two rather than a three. So um, I think we'll go into, regardless of the result on Wednesday, I think we will be going into the weekend in a good position and a good place. And, you know, I I have absolutely no doubt that we'll get the the victory at the weekend and get the six points out of two games. Yeah, it'll be a good recording next week as well if we're able to come on the back of three home wins in a row. Um, I think the momentum will really start to pick up. Um, right, before we wrap up, we will do a fantasy league check-in. So, Dan Taylor, well done, mate. 100-point game week. You've shot to the top. It's fair to say that um, the high football and IQ does not translate to the high fantasy football and IQ because between the four of us, um, we're absolutely fucking stinking the gaff out big time. Hey, well, I only joined today, so we just watch the space. Yeah. Yeah, Mark was not committed to content for that. Um, however, he is he is now committed. I've also not changed my team since game week one. I will, I'm not going to hide behind it. I totally forgot about fantasy football. But I think in terms of the standings, I think Sean's 32nd, I'm 43rd, uh, and Liam's absolutely wreaking the gaff out at 65th. Mark, if you get off the bottom of the table, considering you've just joined... Yeah, that'd be sad. Uh, that... I don't think I'll ever be proud of anything you do in life. Well, what, I'd have to get like 300 points and get in the next game week. The person that's in 80th has got 186 points. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to use my triple captain and all that. <laughs> Those at the bottom are probably like us giving up but picked a shite team and giving up, whereas I kind of picked a half or eight team. Miofsky done me a solid 18 points this week. Um, I did look at the person that was bottom of the league and they had something like six injuries and two suspensions, yep. so obviously they've they've not looked in quite a while. Yep, you're going to be a slow burner. Uh, right, we'll wrap up then with our questions. As always, we start with John. What's for dinner? John? John? Sean, I said. Sounded like John. Apologies. Um, I absolutely have no idea what I'm having for dinner yet. Not looked, don't know. Um, barely left my desk since I started work this morning so apologies John I do not know what I'm having for dinner however Liam has informed me what he has had for his dinner um, and I'll hit you with that one so for his dinner dinner alone he's had two steaks noodles rice potato gratin beef with courgette yeah and beef with courgette two steaks not had pudding yet cheers is how he ended that message Bearing in mind, he is probably all-inclusive, so it will be like, when you say steak, it'll probably be like the width, the diameter of a fucking two-pound coin. Um, so I... Stinking fucking all-inclusive. Yeah, genuinely don't care what Liam has for his tea. Don't care if he's having a good time, but as I mentioned at the start, I hope Megan's having a fantastic time. Um, Mark, what are you having? I am having uh, bolognese. Very simple dinner. Emily is in the kitchen right now making it. Lovely. Not garlic, bread, garlic bread or compliment? Uh, I, I hope so. I don't know, to be honest. I can't smell it, but I hope so. I'm having an absolute council tea tonight. I am having a mince round with tin tatties <laughs> and beans. A mince round? I've not had one in the ages. Fucking incredible. <laughs> I went years with it than one, and I seen it in the I seen it in the fridge one day. I think it was an Asda or Tesco, and I was like, oh. Could have that. My granddad used to make me it. You get like the actual tinned new potatoes. Don't I know. bet young Whitaker that came on at the weekend doesn't even care what a mint rim does. No, he'll know. 
and it's quite ironic that Minge round, and that's probably what's causing me to be very rugged. <laughs> uh, and he also added on how good is Adam, uh, Adam Lafondre, but we've already covered that. Again, John, high football and IQ here at the Ramble. We we know what we're going to talk about before you even ask the question, so we've got the answer before you've even thought about asking it. Um, Kev Wilson, fuck me, I'm all over the place with my names, man. Kev Wilson is asking, how many goals do you reckon Venti will end up with this season? I'll go 15. I saw that, and I'm in all comps or in the league. I'd go in the league because realistically we might only have only one more game. We could only potentially have two games in the cup, so we'll go league only. And he's on three at the moment. He's on two. Two. Well, not actually. Do you know what? We'll, we'll, do you know what? He's, he scored in the league cup, so we'll give it. We'll give it all comps then. Scottish cup as well. He could get. I two. think if it's all comps, I think he'll hit twenty three. I'll go with 24. I'll, if we're going to, I'll go with... Only because of how the goals have been spread round the the front three so far. And given the fact that, like I said, Boyle's only on one and Yuan's not got any either in the league. Um, I'll say I'll go 18. But I definitely think we'll get a double-figure season out of at least three of them. I, thought, I was going to say the same. I think... Three of our front five will yep. easily hit double figures. It'll be like the season we finished third to be Boyle, Nisbet and Dodge and they got, what was it, like 51 or 52 goals between them? Aye. I think that'll be the same. Um, right, uh, overrated, underrated from uh, Liam Riley. Fucking loving this, by the way. This is a great addition to them. Um, Liam's also given me his uh, answers to these as well, if we care enough to read them out. We, we need to do. We need to get Liam to make its own theme tune for underrated, overrated, and make this a, a proper weekly edition. Well, like that's, that's, that's what's on the Have a Word podcast. They have their own sort of jingle for it. Maybe see if we can steal their jingle. Um, right, overrated or underrated? Tam McManus. Overrated. I'll start. I'll start. Heavily, heavily, heavily fucking overrated. As a pundit or? Banger of a pundit, banger of a poster on Twitter, banger of a helmet on PLZ, banger of a guy for blocking both me and the Ramble because I disagreed with his shitty opinion. And he scored like 12 goals in 100 games as a striker for Hibs. Overrated as fuck. One of the worst players I've ever seen play for Hibs. Yep, agreed, all round. I think he's actually heavily underrated. I think he was a tremendous young player at this time. I also really like him as a pundit. Talking at your arse. <laughs> um, I'll obviously go overrated. David Wallerspoon. Underrated massively. Yeah. I'd, Especially I'd, at his time at Hibs. I dare on the side of underrated as well. And I also think incredibly harsh that he got dropped for two cup finals in a row. Yeah. He was our best player one of the seasons. One of the seasons, I think it was the 2012. Or, no, it was the season after. He was one of our best players by league with us. Neither yeah. him or Lewis Stevenson started the 2012 final either. No. I'll never forget that goal he scored against Hearts that took a wicked deflection off Zaliukas. Yeah. I think that was the first time we beat Hearts in years. It was brilliant. It was, and the, it was, first, also, it was the first game after the 2012 final as well. And it was also the shortest Scottish Cup defence because they lost the Cup in the same year they won it. <laughs> so I'd, I'd go underrated. And I think he had a great... Obviously won the Scottish Cup twice with St Johnston after it and the League Cup. Um, got international was it the World Cup 
as well with Canada. So no, I am definitely underrated. Dean Shields. I'll go underrated. Just because of the attacking talent that we had around the same time he was there, I don't think he was maybe appreciated. I think maybe his first season he was, but maybe not the rest. He was unfortunate that he was obviously out for a period with the situation with his eye. I think um, he was overrated. Really? Why? don't know, I just think people still look back on him really fondly and in the same breath as players like Gary O'Connor and Derek Radden. I just don't think he was anywhere near that level. Mm, probably, I don't I, think he deserves to be well I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it because he's probably a lovely guy but he doesn't and you're like, right he doesn't deserve to be in the conversation with those types of players because you think back to that team when had, when you think back to that team people often say oh look at the players we had, we had Derek Ryder we had Gary O'Connor we had Dean Shields and all that Just he was alright but he, I just aye, he, he, never, was, he never comes up in that conversation like oh remember that team that we had he's never done aye no, he was I, very fortunate to be in such an amazing team and I think because he was in such an amazing team people think of him and when they think of him they think of that amazing team if he was in a really bang average side I don't think you would ever hear about Team Shields yeah well, that's a fair point John Rankin I don't think he's rated either way yeah I think he's yeah. more he's shite but I think everyone knows he's pish yeah uh, no John Rankin I wouldn't say that he had a couple of alright seasons at Hibs but He's probably rated fairly. Everyone rates him as just an average midfielder. Yeah, I, I think is I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say like he was. He was shy. I think it's just. I think everyone knows the qualities that he's got and what he doesn't have. And I think that the Hibs team that he was in just complemented how Hibs were at, at that time. Yeah. As well, shy. <laughs> and he, 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 made, he made one hell of a career for himself as well. I think he was playing until he was about forty as well. So fair play to him. If you say the name John Rankin to anybody and ask them to say, tell me one thing, but it can't be the squiggler, nobody can tell you anything. So mm-hmm. and I think I think he sits fairly in the category of not... What, what would you say is overrated or underrated? Because you're either rated or you're not rated. Um, just, just meh. Just, yeah, nothing. He's in the middle. So uh, he's the he's the... He's the forward slash. We'll call those ones that we can't quite determine either way. We'll just call them the forward slash because that's what splits overrated, underrated. Uh, Pat Fenlon. Underrated. Underrated. I'm glad you said that. Underrated. Mm. People always will think of him for the five-one season, but that like the, we got into that position through the previous management, and then he managed the next season to get us to another cup final. And before he left, we were actually doing, I think we were something like seven for whatever. Like, we, 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 we he, he started to build us up a little bit. But unfortunately for him, people will always remember him for 5-1 and 7-0. So, we would, we would never have went down if he'd stayed. Yeah. But it was also the fact that, like, it is quite, like, there was just no way we were going to replace Lee Griffiths either. Yeah, like, I just think that, he was so unfortunate to manage one of the worst Hibs teams of all time. Yep. taken over from some just atrocious management beforehand and didn't have much of a budget to play with either. I think we made a, a big sign in the James Collins when he was there, which was maybe four or five hundred grand or something. But Aye. yeah. He was a replacement for Griffith. Obviously he was never going to be because that season that twelve thirteen season for Griffith is probably the best individual yeah. season I've ever seen at Hibs. Yeah. yeah. Um and to get us to two finals yeah. with the squad that he had Speaks volumes, really. I know I was I was on the overrated fence there, but you've talked me around. Um, and the thing is, as well, you look at um, you look at uh, the 
the thing with James Collins as well, he was he wasn't necessarily shite for us, but he actually went on to have a pretty decent career after us as well. Yeah. I tell yeah. you what, see the start of the season after five one, we played some good stuff. We were like at, before Christmas. I can remember us when Paul Kearney was nutmegging everyone and Lee Griffiths was banging them in, and we were like we were top of the league after like maybe seven or eight games, I think. We were really good, and then we fell away after Christmas, and I think we got beat off Hearts, which is what made Pat Finn leave. And then obviously after that, when Terry Butcher came in, we just capitulated. But I do distinctly remember the season after five one. Obviously, we beat Hearts in the Scottish Cup. We were playing some really nice stuff. I remember we were hammering teams at Easter Road. Griffiths was. Bangham and mind Owen Doyle was playing well. I, Paul Kearney absolutely loved that guy. He was six months he was, back, he was fucking unplayable. I I like that team. And then obviously things just went from bad to worse. Yeah. And then finally Proclaimers five hundred miles. Overrated. I'm gonna go overrated, right, for two reasons. One, the amount it's played at Scotland games. And two that nobody gets the first da 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 bit right. Yeah. I know, yeah. that is annoying. They always go for the da 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 after the first 500 miles for us. And it doesn't, it just leads into another verse. Yeah. As good as it is for the Proclaimers, um, how well known it's, especially in America for some reason, it's known really well over there. And it gets played in films and TV shows. Like, I just, nah, not for me. It's, it's, it would it's be impossible. For me, by the way, that like I said, the fans that sing it and get that fucking bit wrong, it riles me up every single time. It would be impossible to call it underrated because of how highly rated it is. Like, there's no possible way you could say it's underrated, so I'm just going to say overrated as well. Yeah. Agreed. Thanks, Liam. Keep those coming, mate, because they're pretty, pretty enjoyable. They're varied as well, which is. Oh, we didn't give McLean those answers. We don't care. I want to hear the do a quick fire, Sean. Right. Right, so Tammet Manis, overrated, David Wotherspoon, underrated, Dean Shields, underrated, John Rankin, underrated, Pat Fenlin, rated, Proclaimers, five hundred miles, underrated. Fresh so, opinions. We'll move on swiftly. Exactly. I'm, I wish I hadn't asked, I wish I had just stayed kept my mouth shut. Yeah. You'll know better next time, Mark, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why is Harvey Scott says why is the young guy that came on about nine months older than me that's scary um, scary that he's only he's still older than you yeah not about the fact that I'm literally fucking twice as old as him and that uh, Lewis Stevenson made his debut two years before he was born that's that's one bit I can't get my head around no that is a wee bit mental yeah. like this, la- this laddie has literally grown up from from a from a baby watching Hibs Watching Lewis Stevenson, and now he came on with him. He actually came on at the same time as him. Like, so there's your, your what is it? Your most, so that effectively, right? When you talk about like tr- your most decorated player in the history of the club because he's won both cups, and then your youngest ever player coming on at the same time. Madness. It's madness, I tell you. Uh, Jack says, "How good has the signing of Venti been? Honestly, best in the last few years." Mm. I'd maybe no go say he's the best in the last few years, but he's... He's on his way. He's on his way. Yep. Uh, and then finally, um, Lewis Miller, greater than Cafu from James Kinnebra. Fair opinion. Um, and the last, we've got a couple other ones. Uh, Albert Street asks, who do you think will be the next youngster to get a chance like we Rory did last week? 
I'd like Roy to see, on loan. I'd like to see maybe Malotnikov. I think there's something there with him. Yeah. I, I thought I I would have if it wasn't for going out on loan, I would a hundred percent say Canal. Um but I maybe Rudy Malotnikov. I think he's bulked up massively since he's um you know, since we seen him for the dev squad last year, Sean. Yeah. And he also got his obviously got his first team debut away at Aston. Oh well, he's had his first team debut, so one that's not had their debut. Um I don't know, Ruben McAllister's played maybe somebody like Jacob Blaney. He's been a name that's been spoken about coming through Murray, the years. Murray Johnson played, yeah. For the first team. Oh, don't think so. No, he's not. He's got a chance. Yeah, but then uh, Jeff Ashton says, has Venti got 100% conversion rate with his chances so far? Can't remember him missing any. We, me and Sean were speaking about this. We think he had a shot that went either wide or over against Aberdeen up at Petodre. And that's the only one. All his other ones have been on target and hit the back of the net. Yeah, that's the only ones that we can think of. Um, and then finally, the last few coming through from Instagram... Uh, James Kinnebra again just wanted to make sure his voice gets heard. Uh, Lewis Miller greater than Cafu. Dino says uh, don't want to get my hopes up, but it seems exciting things are to come. Agree with you there. Don't want to get excited about install the disco lights. Yeah. Well, apparently there's disco lights being installed. Oh, is that? Oh, right, right, right. Aye. No, right. Okay, I get it. That was the reference. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Baxter says green, yeah, clean sheet with a heart eye emoji. Jake Nicholson says, hate to be a bit negative, but what is the weakest part in the team after Saturday? For me, it's left centre-back. I think it's a great question. Yeah. I don't necessarily say it's the maybe negative to class it as the weakest. It's just the area that we maybe need to improve in the most, and I, I feel inclined to agree. Yeah. No, but I still I still think that when he's fit, um, that Paul Hanlon's still a great player in this league. We've got to remember Jago's contract out next summer as well. So unless he gets some level of extension, I would imagine that'll be the area that could potentially become weak as the season goes on and need improved. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Haley asks, what do you think has clicked for the team uh, that we get performances like the second half? For me, just probably confidence and belief in the way the managers want the team to play. I don't think there's any other any other way. Um, and finally, the last question is also: Would Stevie May's hair would Stevie May's hair be long enough to dry his tears? He's a prick. He's, he's, long enough to wipe his arse. He's fucking nippy him. He's, he's shite and all. He was good a few years ago, but he's fucking brute. He just runs about and falls down and moans. A few, maybe about ten years ago, Mark. Eh? Uh, he's he's Yeah. Well. We'll wrap that up as a good episode and we'll leave Sean to edit and put up his shitty thumbnail. As I said, no video this week because um, Megan's taken Liam away for an undeserved holiday, in my opinion. But that's what married life is. And he was selfish enough not to take his laptop on his honeymoon and do the editing for us. Yeah, absolute gimp behaviour. I think it's a disgrace. Absolute disgrace. Yeah, we'll wrap it up there. We won't be doing any sort of episodes after the game Wednesday or before Saturday, um, but we'll be back next week on Monday with our standard review of the week's action. And just so you know, just a little tidbit, obviously you've seen that down the slope I've had um, 
Joe Newlon. Strong opinion, Hibs, I think, are bringing one out soon regarding Paul Hanlon. We have also got a player coming your way, but we'll keep that under wraps for now. But Get your think, guesses in for who it is. Yeah. No, that'll be, that, that's how we know if you've listened to the full episode, if you just start sending us random names on Twitter. But yeah, we are hopefully um, going to be recording with our uh, current first team player next week. So yeah, when we get that out, we'll ask you obviously for questions and that for for the player in question. So I thanks for listening as always, guys. If you want, if you don't already, you should do uh, Twitter, Facebook. T- fucking, I'm never calling it X. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the Hibs Ramble. Um, any feedback or that? Let us know anything you've got. You want to message? Uh, what I think folk don't do is like messages during the week. Like the only messages for questions. Like if you've got anything Hibs related. Drop us a drop us a message somewhere and we'll we'll love to chat about the love to chat about the cabbage. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes Podcast, whatever the fuck it's called these days, YouTube, like, subscribe, leave us your feedback, and we will see you again next week. Thank you. Cheers. Adios.